Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be um, looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture um, from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. This is the um, famous confession that the Apostle Peter makes. But I want to look at it from an angle of what is actually happening in this passage. And we're going to look at what's said in the passage. But I want us to look at from this, this morning a particular lens of what is actually being done in this passage. So I have a question for you. And the question is, have you ever thought about why God actually made mankind? If we think about that question, we have, to, we have to wrestle with the reality of what's happened in the world. So we see mankind has been created, and then we find all of this uh, destruction. We find all of this pain. There's a lot of misery. There's a lot of heartache. And if God knew that, if God is sovereign and God already knew what was going to happen, why would he even create mankind? I think the Bible gives us a big narrative that answers that question. The Bible, basically from Genesis to Revelation, lays out this grand picture of God wanting a human family. And so he comes and he creates the world and he creates a human family and he creates that human family to love them. He wants a human family that he can father and he can pour his, his love upon. But because of sin, we have walked away from that human family. We were a part of God's family, and we chose to walk away from that. And so now sin has separated us from our father. It's caused uh, disruption in our relationships. But God was gracious, and God gave us a way to come back into that family, right? He gave his son Jesus. So he gives us Jesus as the only option or the only provision, rather, for entrance back into the family of God. And so when we look at the grand picture of of what God is trying to do in the earth and why we're created, why we're here. And then we look at this passage, we get a snapshot of God giving us a distinct picture in history of him inviting us back into this family. So that's where we're at in the the grand scheme of Scripture. We're at this pivotal point where the identity of Jesus as the Messiah is, is, our our eyes are open and it's revealed to us who Jesus is. So now that we're back in this family, once we believe in Jesus, we enter back into the family of God, We then have to submit to Jesus as the king, right? Because whoever is sitting on the throne is the one who has to pay for the sins. So none of us want to pay for the sins, right? So we're not going to sit on that throne. We're going to allow Jesus to sit on that throne because he indeed is the king. So we all understand that big story, that big picture. That is the gospel, right? We're all Christians, right? If you don't know that story, then you need to. You need to know that Jesus is the only way back into this family, okay? But something unique has happened. 
I think that we as Christians have not properly been trained in how to hear God. Hear the voice of God, which is something that is extremely pivotal to walking the Christian life and being in this family because it is God who is the head and who is leading this family. And so in this passage, the context is Jesus has taken his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Now, this is a town that's about 25 miles north of Capernaum. This is the place where Jesus normally does his ministry was Capernaum. So he takes them out of town. He takes time apart from the everyday run of ministry so that he can disciple them. And he's discipling them in a very specific thing. And so that's where we enter into this text today. It says, verse 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Notice the distinction. He says, who do people say that I am? Who is the culture saying that I am? Who is all the other voices, the human voices saying that I am? And then, who do you say that I am? There's a contrast. He said to them, Simon Peter speaks up. He replies, he says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So Jesus brings his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, a pagan nation, a place where people do not know God or fear God, and he asked them, who do you say that I am? And so Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The word Christ harkens us back to the Old Testament when there was this promised Messiah who was Jesus, who was, you know, prophesied to be Jesus, who was supposed to bring us back into the family of God that I just told you about. And so Peter rightly identifies that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the only way back into the family of God. But he also says something else that I find very interesting. He says, you're the son of the living God. So this week I was at school and I was in the hallway shooting the breeze with my theological classmates. And what we do in this place when we're studying this high and lofty theology is we ask questions that normal people normally don't ask. So one of my classmates walks up to me and he says, Hey, Dan, do you think that the book of Job is allegory or do you think that it's a real story? Basically, you know, is it a story that is supposed to, is it a made-up, fictitious story that's supposed to teach us something, a lesson, a moral? Or did this actually happen? And I thought to myself, that's a very odd question. Because when I read the Bible, I have to, I have to take it as real. Because when I'm, when I'm in my mess, 
when I'm discouraged, when I wake up and I'm depressed, when my family members are in the hospital, when I'm looking around and I'm seeing what's happening in the world, I need a God that is alive, right? I need a living God. I don't need a God that is out there making stories that have nothing to do with my life, right? And that don't help me in any way. I need somebody who I can literally look up to and is actually alive and that's there and is like, I can help you. I can speak to you. I have something to say to you. I'm going to help you through this. I can help you get out of this, right? I don't need another story uh, like the Disney Channel, you know? So I was like, I don't understand why you would even ask that question. I have to take it as real because it's my only hope, right? I wonder how many of us today, though, are treating God as though he is not actually alive. And you might ask yourself, how do I treat God as though he's not alive? Living people speak, right? Living people actually communicate. But for some strange reason, we as Christians in this nation have not been trained on how to hear from God, how to communicate with God. And so we're relying on all these extra extraneous voices, and there's plenty of them, There's about 7 million podcasts. There's all type of YouTube channels. You can find information on wells. You can find information on whatever self-diagnosis you've given yourself for whatever ailment that you think that you have. You can find information on smoothies. It's like you can find information on anything, right? But how do we hear the voice of God? Point number one is that Jesus is here to help us be able to hear from God. Notice the text. He says, what are the people saying? And then he contrasts that with what is God saying? There is a difference. Notice the text. Jesus brings them to this place that is full of pagan gods, gods that are not the real God. And he asks them this question, And he's trying to get them to make this distinction. He's trying to test them to see if they'll actually be able to attune their ear to the voice of God. There's a passage in Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, where Samuel is a young boy. He's taken by his mother and he's given to the prophet Eli. And Samuel, the Bible tells us that Samuel is asleep in the temple and he hears somebody say, Samuel. Samuel. And so Samuel wakes up and he runs over to Eli and he says, yes, master, did you call me? And Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Go back. Go back to sleep. So Samuel goes back and he lays down and he goes to sleep again. And the voice says, Samuel, Samuel. So he gets up and he runs over again and he runs back to Eli. And he says, Eli, did you call me? And he says, no, go back and lay down. And then he does it a third time. And finally, Eli figures out, I need to train this boy on he's hearing from God. It's God that is actually speaking to you. So he tells him, he says, next time you hear the voice, just answer and say, here is your servant. Speak to me. This is a very funny story because this story actually happened to me. So I was in my shower day after day. 
This was around 2018. And it was like, Daniel, Daniel. And I was like, what is that? Like, who is, who is talking to me? What, what am I hearing? I, I could not have peace. I kid you not. I could not have peace. I had this whole plan. I was about to go to PA school. I was about to make some bread. I was about to buy me one of them houses out of 280 and be on my back porch with my feet crossed. I was like, that was my plan, right? But I kept hearing this voice. It was like, Daniel. And so I went and I asked Reverend Ron. I said, Reverend Ron, I keep hearing this voice. It's like somebody is calling me. (laughs) Someone is trying to speak to me. And Reverend Ron literally verbatim says, the next time you hear that voice, he says, you answer that voice and you say, this is your servant. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And when I actually did that, I actually heard what God was trying to tell me. Now, one of the unique things about that is that I needed assistance, though, to train my ear to be able to attune it to the voice of God. Right. It's not something that necessarily comes natural to us because we rely so much on our natural senses. Right. What we can see, what we can hear, taste, smell. But the ability to hear from God is still super duper important. But the good thing is we have Jesus to help us. Right. So it says in Galatians 2:20, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So as the people of God who are now in the family of God, who is under the lordship of God, we have inside of us Jesus dwelling personally, right, through the Holy Spirit. But not only that, everybody who's in the family has this spirit. And so the important thing that I think we should take away is in order for to us to clearly hear from God, we need other people to help. Right. We need people to help us discern and help us to hear the voice of God. It's always easier for us to listen and sort of look and discern what the Lord is saying in other people's lives most times than it is for, to be honest, in our own life. We can give other people better advice than we can give ourselves. We'd be like, dang, that was good advice. It's like, man, I need to, I wish I could speak to myself like that sometimes, you know, like, I wish I could help me like that. But that's why God has given us the church. So the question that I have to you is, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? It's not that he's not speaking, right? So what is it that he is saying? And are you having someone enter into that process with you? We're always facing different challenges, right? There's challenges that we face every day, and God is not unaware of those, and he is not unaffected by those. He knows you better than anyone, right? He knows the pain He knows the different insecurities. He's aware of what happened to you as a child. He's aware about your physical ailments. He, after all, made you. So what is God saying to you about those particular things? Point number two, I want us to look at the heart of the Father in this passage. 
If we look down at verse 17, it says, And Jesus answered Peter. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So this is not a natural man speaking. This is not something Peter read. This is not something he figured out on his own. Flesh and blood did not reveal it to him. But it was my father. It was my father in heaven. So Jesus takes the time. He's taking them away to a place where there's a bunch of pagan gods. And he's trying to get the disciples to attune their ear to God. And he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter makes this confession. And he says, that right there, that is the voice of God. Now, the thing I want us to notice in this text is that the father is actually concerned about us hearing from him as well. Now, the reason this is important is because a lot of times we think of God as the God of judgment, right? God is the one who holds all of the wrath. He's the one that is, you know, sitting with his arms crossed, maybe a, you know, Thor hammer, like waiting to smash us. You get what I'm saying? When we mess something up. And Jesus is the one, right? Jesus is the one with the compassion. He's the one with the love. He's the one who came to earth. And he's the one who sacrificed and who died for us. But that is a faulty theology, I would suggest. Because we learn from the body, we learn from the Bible, rather, that God is three persons in one. So God has the exact same, the Father God has the exact same heart that Jesus has. He has a heart that is full of mercy, and he's wanting us to know that. He's wanting us to realize that he, too, is trying to speak to us. John chapter 14, Philip asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, show us the Father, and we're going to believe. Show us the Father. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you, you've seen the Father. I am the representation of the Father. We have to get this straight in our heads or else we'll never be able to have this right view of God. A.W. Tozer in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, says that our view of God is the most important thing that we think about. It affects our entire life. What we think about God is going to affect everything. If we feel like God is this angry God who is just looking down, judging us, who's always disappointed in us, and he's never pleased, he's never satisfied, we're not going to want to hear from him. We're not going to want to come to him, right? But that could be, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is bleeding with compassion for us. His heart is literally on his sleeve and he's literally trying to, in the best way he can, speak to us all of the time. He has the same heart that Jesus has, the same compassion. He's full of mercy. In 1 Corinthians 2, um, 3, Paul says that God is the father of mercies. It gives you this image of like all of the mercy that comes in your life, it is literally birthed from the throne in the heart of God. If you have ever experienced any compassion, if you've ever experienced any grace, 
It has been from the heart of God. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, they're all on one accord perfectly. They all desire the same thing. They all are wanting for you to have this life that is abundant. They're all wanting you to walk away from sin. They're all wanting you to hear from him and be comforted. That is the heart of God. Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, says, God is not cautious in his tenderness towards you. Let that sit. He has a mercy to match every single one of your needs, and there is nothing he would rather do more. You need to know today that God literally loves you in a way that you cannot even fathom. And that is evidence here in this text. He's wanting Peter and the disciples to know, hey, this is who Jesus is, and this is your way back into the family. Inside of the family, there is safety, right? Inside of the family, there is this, 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 this sense of togetherness and this sense of unity and this sense of hope that you are not going to find anywhere else in the world. Jesus says in John 5 and 19, he says, The Son can do nothing on his own, but he can only do what the Father is doing. So the same love that Jesus has shown us, that is the same way he is willing to suffer and die. That same heart of affection is in the Father God. We need to know that today. God is standing by the phone like an anxious parent who just let their 16-year-old go out with the car for the first time. He's wanting to hear from you, right? He's like, come talk to me. I want to love on you. I want you to know that you're not in this alone, right? You're not in this life alone. So my question today is, what have you believed about the Father? Has that kept you from going to him? What, do you, what lies are you believing? Now, Satan is going to try to infuse different lies in our mind about who God is. And the whole point of that, and even evil in the world, he wants to convince you that God is not indeed good. That is the end goal. Because if he can convince you that God is not good, then you're never going to go to him. You never will. What are you believing about God? So we've outlined that. We've outlined the problem. What is the solution? And why don't we hear from God more often? I believe that the solution is also in this text. Jesus gives us a foreshadowing of what's going to happen Verse 18, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, there's a play on words there in the Greek. I'm not going to go into that today. Um, But he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church in the Greek, the word is ekklesia. Um, This is a compound word from the word ek. It's a preposition meaning from out of. And kaleo, kaleo is a verb meaning to call. So the word church is literally a compound word, which means to call from out of. Inferring Jesus has called the church from out of the world, right? So that is the literal definition of the church. We've associated the church with, of course, the building, you know, the programs, the systems. But the church indeed is a group. It's a body. It's an assembly of the people of God who he's called out from the world, Now, notice the personal pronouns that Jesus uses in this passage. He says, I, me, Jesus, will build 
my church. So Jesus is the one who is building this. Jesus is the one who has constructed this. And it is for our benefit. It's, the church does not belong to anyone but Jesus, right? And so we have to get that right in our mind, too. The church doesn't belong to pastors. God has simply given pastors to help the church. Any, any gift in the church, any, you know, uh, person, personality, leader, they are given to the church for the benefit of the church under the submission of Christ. The church does not belong to any individual person. But within the church, we find that Jesus is building something. Now, I wonder why, I wonder if, rather, the reason we cannot hear from God as often as we should, as clearly as we should, I wonder if it's because we're so busy building our own constructions. That's a tough one. Because we're all out building these things, right, that we feel are going to give us this significance, that are going to give us um, this identity that we want. There's nothing wrong with using your gifts. But if what we're building is more important than what Jesus is building, there's a problem there. If what we're wanting to construct, right, if that is more important than what God is building, then we know that we're, we're, we have something mixed up in our minds. We see an example of this in Scripture, the Tower of Babel, in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. The people were all speaking the same language, and they wanted to build, build a tower. And the Bible says so they could make a name for themselves. So they were trying to find some type of identity that was outside of God. Trying to build some type of significance that is outside of God. And so there's no wonder that we don't need God's input in this process. Right? We don't need God to speak into this because we're building this. Right? God doesn't have anything to do with that. Could it be that one of the reasons we're not hearing is because we're not submitting that, what we're building, up underneath what God is building in the church. Now, this is only for the Christians. If you are a Christian, I want to suggest to you that if you are not in a discipleship relationship, you are not helping build the church. Discipleship is the thing that God uses to help us hear from God and obey. He uses other people. It says in Ephesians 2:19, it says, "So you are no longer strangers and aliens." He's talking about those who again who've been called out of the world, the church, into this new family of God. He says, "So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints." And you're members of the household of God. We're members of a household, something that God indeed is building, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So I think this answers the conundrum that is in this, this passage. P. 
people have often debated, scholars have debated whether Jesus is affirming the fact that the church is built on Peter the apostle or is it built on Peter's confession? I think this passage answers. I think that is both. But it gives us an important extra detail. It says that Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So it's not that the church is built on Peter. Peter's only a man. And Peter's actually a very flawed man, as we learn from Scripture. The very next passage, Peter turns around and he says, Jesus is telling of his uh, crucifixion that is to come. He's telling of his sufferings. And Peter turns around and says, no. He says, Jesus, no, that's never going to happen. So in the same breath, Peter is in one moment hearing from God and in the next moment not hearing from God. Can anybody identify with that? Is that, is that just me? I mean, one moment I can be in the spirit. It's like I'm just boom, 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 boom. I can just help you out. You know what I mean? And the next minute it's like I don't even know, like, Lord, what are we going to do tomorrow? Like, I don't, I, I'm just I'm confused, you know, like. I'm I've strayed away just that quick. It's like we need people in our life that can help bring us back. We have to all help bring one another back to the voice of God. And so this says in Ephesians 2:19, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together it grows. It grows. Discipleship is literally helping other people hear and obey God. It's helping people hear, hear the voice of God, and helping other people obey that. That's what discipleship is. It's not helping pass along all this information. You don't have to become theologically, you know, necessarily astute. You don't have to go out and read, you know, a systematic theology book to disciple someone. Simply hearing and obeying God. But you can only help someone do that if you've heard the voice of God. And so that's why it's incumbent upon really the saints who have walked with the Lord the longest. You should know the voice of God. Right. You should be helping those along who are not as familiar with the voice of God. If you are a younger saint, you need to find you an older saint who can help you hear the voice of God. Through that, Jesus says he is building the church. He's building something that's growing into the temple of the Lord. It says in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place by the spirit. This was not a, a, a incredibly deep sermon. This is just. I just wanted to relate two things to you. Number one, if you're not in the family of God, if you have not taken hold of Christ as, as the person who has literally died and bled so that you can come back into this family, you need to do so. And the second thing is if you're not in a discipleship relationship, what are you building what, what is it that you're building? You're, we're all out building something. We're all out doing something. We're all out trying to seek something. But is that something submitted underneath the mission of the church and the building that Christ is doing? That's it. This is a short sermon. But I do want 
each person into here today, if you have not engaged in that type of relationship, it is pivotal. Earlier on this week, I went and talked to Deacon Rick. I went and sat down at Tzatziki's, and Deacon Rick told me, he said, Daniel, what is God telling you to do? And from that moment on, Deacon Rick could have been sitting there or not. It ain't even matter if he was, it was like the Lord was just literally talking to me. He, he could have not even been sitting in, in the seat. He literally was saying all of the things all of the prayers I had been praying, he just was speaking it. It, it just was from a question. What, what is God asking you to do? What is God? So he's drawing my attention to what God is saying. That's my only goal for you today. I can't, I can't help you. I can't. I, only thing I can do is point you to the one who can help you, right? The only thing I can do is send you in that direction. You have to learn to be attuned to that voice. For some of you, that may mean you, you may have to turn down some voices, right? It might be some other voices out here that you've just been leaning into a little too heavy. You know, you leaning into, you know, you leaning into all of the news outlets, super heavy. You're leaning into, like, all the talking heads. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that is overshadowing the voice of God, I suggest you would turn that down. Because this is the voice that we need to be attuned to if we're going to really walk out this Christian life and if we're going to build the church, right? People are talking about the church being in decline and, you know, especially the black church, what's happening. My question is, who are, who are we discipling? Who, who are we helping to hear and obey the voice of God? Just one person. If everybody in here found one person and said, you know what, I'm going to help this person hear and obey the voice of God. And I'm going to find me someone who can help me hear and obey the voice of God. The church will grow. That's what the word, that's, the word says it. That is, that is the, how the church functions. Discipleship is the literal bricks upon which the church is being built up. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word, Lord, this morning. We thank you for the truths that you have relayed to us, God. Lord, would you give us the grace to be able to hear and obey your word? Would you attune our hearts, Lord God? Would you help turn down, Lord, the noise uh, that is out in the world, Father, the voices, all of the things that we hear. Help turn down our cares and concerns and our worries, Father God, so that we can be comforted by the voice of the Father. Because we know if we can hear from the Father, everything is going to be okay. We know if we can hear from the Father, if we can feel the Father's touch, if we can know the Father's love, then we know that we're going to be fine. We know how this story ends. In the end, there's going to be a big supper. There's going to be a big feast. And everybody who's in the family is going to be invited. They're going to be at the table. And you're going to be there, God, at the head, and we're going to enjoy you forever. Lord, help that be our vision. Help us, Father God, for those who are not in a discipleship relationship, God, I pray even now that you would just begin to send people. I pray that you would begin to send people through your spirit, Lord God. Send them and connect them with other people, people that can help us hear, people that can help us to obey what it is that you're trying to say to us. Lord God, I pray, Lord, for all those who are 
suffering this morning, God. Everybody is coming here with different things, God. Some emotional, some family-related, some health concerns, God. But because you are living, because you are living, we have hope. Because you are living, Lord, we know that we're going to be all right. I pray that you would comfort every heart, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that through your spirit, you would just empower everyone to go out this week, Lord, and live a life, Lord, of hearing and obeying you. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. All right, we are going to dismiss. If you would, stand with me. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. For more information about our church, we invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.